Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dally Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanflow and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw Smackdown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Hample and Sidgwick to review AW Dynamite. Another good show, Sidge. It was good. That is the word I would use. Yeah. Not great. Um, again, it's another show in what I would put in the 7.5 to 7.8 out of 10 range, wherein AEW is a victim of its success because... Like this sort of thing, what, four years ago would blow your tits off. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely blow your tits off, but it's a standard now. And there is something to the fact that AEW has been so great at its various peaks for so long. Even like the mid-episodes have at least one great development. that It's hard to get jazzed. Victim of its own success yeah. for me. And at the exact same time, there's certain terrible habits creeping in. And boy, am I going to bury some of them in that main event. Um it just feels like a lukewarm promotion that a lot of people are just used to now. Mm. Some excellent stuff on this show that I'm going to enthusiastically put over, but it's just hard to really get up for it, I think. Yeah, it's becoming harder to uh, isolate the really good stuff for praise, or like really, really high praise, as long as the product overall feels like a water feature in the Dungeon of Doom. Like, it's the, it was the prevailing take coming away from Las Vegas, even live. Um, and it's just, even off the back of a, a dynamite that I just adored last week, what I took from that was that, oh, like, maybe the power's back. And the power in reality, when we joke about that, is that the vibe is that the whole thing feels great. And it just doesn't, like, the, there was really good stuff on this dynamite, stuff I really looked forward to talking about and enjoyed in the moment. Yeah. And there was nothing I outright hated but you're looking more for the vibe. You're looking for the feeling that this is just a hot product, a hot show with stuff that has like energized its audiences. And I think the closest you really get to that is probably, maybe I'm speaking in the wrestling fan bubble here, is the Forbidden Door match graphics. Mm. That's that, that little sort of flutter in your stomach that maybe just isn't there for the product at large. Yeah, I've got a weird sensation watching this show. Do you ever have the thing where you go to the cinema to watch a film and you sat there in the bloody train. All my free time is on booze now. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I go to the cinema when I could just have a drink? 
Well, you go to the cinema. You drink in the cinema. You can, can't you? I, but it's not the same. I wouldn't do it, but could you? There's a, a cinema in town called the Everyman Cinema. Mm, yeah. You can get a margarita in there. Like in a, a posh burger and stuff. Yeah, like in your regular... I'm not having a pint in a cinema. I'll yeah. see the piss. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, I was thinking like you come on a garden view or something. You wouldn't take a bit... Like, can you take a beer in your seat? I'm trying to think if they even serve it. I think some do. I wouldn't... I'd fall asleep. I would 100% I would just fall asleep. Yeah, that as well. But I got a weird sensation because I enjoyed the show, like you say, Sige, you know, not to the same extent that, like you say, the, the legendary dynamites have got me. Um, but there was nothing I was like, oh, God, get on with it. Well, there was some bits of There was not many things that made me think, oh, get on with this. And I think I can pinpoint the moment it happened for you on this dynamite, that tweet that you sent this morning. of Like, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Kind of felt it went, went a bit off the rails later on. Um, but I'm watching this show and I'm enjoying it and, like, the Cole MJF stuff was great, obviously. We'll get into that. and But I got the sensation when they started advertising not only Forbidden Door, but also next week's Dynamite, which does look awesome in terms of what yeah. they've already advertised for that, where you're watching, you go to watch this, a film and you're sat and you're watching the trailers and this trailer comes on for a film and you're like, you're thinking to yourself, no. Oh my God. I can't wait to see that film. To such an extent, you forget what you're there for, and then like the the, the thing comes up with the film, and you're like, "Oh, it's this," and it's not necessarily you bought a ticket, so you want to watch it, but you're also like, well, "I want to go and watch that film now instead." So that's like the Forbidden Door thing. That's Forbidden Door, and also next week, you know, eliminate yeah. a match and the the six man and stuff like that. I had that exact same feeling when I was taking the kids to the cinema, which is the only time I go when the Super Mario Brothers movie was getting trailered. Yes, and I thought. Like, oh, I want to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to see instead? Strange World. It's a Dis- watch that. It's a Disney, Disney flop. Yeah. It's all right. Mm-hmm. It's canny. It's not Super Mario Brothers movie. Mm. Seen the trailer for Elemental when you went to see Mario. Their latest. Like, oh, the Pixar uh, high concept bollocks. It's going to be fine like all the rest. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Do another sequel to Toy Story. Toy Story 4 is better than 3. Sub Mike, yeah. Agree. Toy Story 4 kicks ass. Yeah. Toy Story 3, it's like... Oh, peeps good. Toy Story 3 is a movie made for people who have an emotional resonance with the first two Toy Stories as opposed to a family film that all the family can enjoy. Yeah. It's too bloody much. It's a bit full on, Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3, the one where you're like, oh, they're all going to die. Yeah, the pink bear turns heel, like, <laughs> twice. <laughs> twice in yeah. the film. Like, to the point where, like, you kind of... You're doing that thing, if it was wrestling, you'd sort of be going, you know what, Woody, it's you, I judge... Trusting him at this point. Sting. Sting, yeah. Stop being Sting, would he? Toy Story 4 is aesthetically beautiful. Oh, it's stunning. Plot's better. Forky's goated. Forky kicks ass. Bo Peep's goated. Like, <laughs> it's actually it's sort of like, we don't talk enough about Toy Story 4. You know, it's better than 3. By, by, by Miles as a family film. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I, as a person in my 30s, want a continuation of the Toy Story 1 and 2 saga? Really, really I don't. I'm not a child. My favourite Toy Story gag of all the four films is in Toy Story 4. It's when Buzz is picked up by one Trash. of the guys at the carnival stalls and is like put on the um the like the stand as one of the toys you can win. And I think is it is it Key and Peel that do the voices of those teddy bears? Yeah. And like the two constantly connected. They're kind of sick of each other and they're sick of just being a toy to be one. And they just they see Buzz Lightyear and they're kind of doing the oh fancy Dan bit that we do with Buzz Lightyear and because of where he's been positioned they're just like kicking him in the head and he's going do infinity and my foot and then kicks him in the head and I just think that's a really great line to pop. 
I uh, like the idea of us uh, launching a new podcast where we analyse children's films, but with uh, wrestling terminology. Because I definitely, when I finally got around to watching it, like a decade after everyone else, could not stop talking about the heel turn in Frozen. I was like, yeah. what a heel turn that is. Unbelievable. Aye. Just the air just comes out of the building. Like, Frozen's go to Frozen 2. Absolutely. I don't get Frozen 2. That's oh, rubbish. All sp- spirit stuff. Aye. I know, like, you have to just be like, well, Frozen 2 was made because it was destined to make a billion squillion dollars, yeah. but, like, there is no plot to speak of in Frozen 2, and it goes longer. Does it? It's the like... weird plot about spirits and backstory. Frozen 2 is Cole Gargano, because Frozen 1 is, like, pretty, it's like yeah. take over New York, and then you pretty much reach a weaponized cage by the time you get to Frozen 2. It's like, <laughs> more of this, and Basically, an extra hour. Can we write a song that's almost as good as Let It Go? Yes. Do what you want with the script. Wrap a film around it, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna be watching that. Well, I probably will be in a few years' time. Oh, yeah, 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 almost certainly will. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> it opened uh, with the international ch- uh, title match: um, Orange Cassidy for the 24th, I think it is, defense uh, against Swerve Strickland. Um, really interesting to see the reaction to this online today because I think many people assumed like a little bit like we did. We speculated. We didn't say 100% confirmed that it was going to go one way and it obviously didn't go that way. Cassidy starts off doing his usual mind game. Strickland takes over. Uh, Cassidy sends Swerve to the floor. Strickland mocks him and suckers uh, Orange Cassidy to the floor and takes over, slams his bad hand uh, into the post. I almost said, which bad hand? They're, they're all <laughs> bad. Everything's bad. Everything's taped up with poor Orange Cassidy at the moment. Um they go back inside. Uh, there's a spot where Cassidy's doing like a victory roll over the top to the outside, but Strickland holds on and Cassidy uh, does it again into the barricade, followed by a dive. Um, and then they're fighting on the ropes and they both sort of slam headfirst into the turnbuckles, takes to a break. Uh, when we come back, Cassidy hits a stun dog millionaire, charges at Strickland, but Swerve counters with a rolling flatliner. Cassidy gets cut off and hit with a brutal looking DVD on the apron. Uh, but he just sort of scoots away uh, before he could be hit with a double stomp. Um, uh, Strickland's on the outside, um, and Cassidy hits him with a diving DDT from the apron to the floor, hits another one inside and gets a great two count. Uh, Counters the pop-up powerbomb into a Hurricane Rana pin, but just can't hook his leg because of the bad hand. Uh, Prince Nana tries to run distraction. Strickland hits his own manager, turns around, orange punch, Beach break. That's got to be it, but no. Swerve Strickland kicks what out. What a near fall oh, in case so I forget. Yeah. I bit on that so hard. And also, well, first of all, oh my God. but also you see that and you go, oh, the title's changing hands. Yeah. He's hitting with the specials. Um, sorry, I've just ruined my experience of this by saying that. Do your special. Do your special. <laughs> Do your special. But in context, that's what some ingrate American was shouting in my ear when I was trying to watch Triple H versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. Do your special. Why don't you just play the game and the f*** out? <laughs> if you don't like it, f*** off. The beach break, by the way, with his, like, him not being able to deliver it properly because of the injured hand and the injured back. So the way he kind of like did it in a sloppy way to not only justify the two count, but get over that he's broken. Yeah. Execution in this was like, like the detail in the yeah. execution was so that fantastic. Was great. Absolutely great. God. The rhythm of this. God damn. Rhythm, structure, execution, detail. Mm. Wonderful. Uh, so Cassidy goes for another DDT uh, to the floor, but this time Swerve catches him and hits a brain buster. Um, Strickland hits house call and the Swerve stomp. 
but Cassidy kicks out and Swerve actually for once quite rightly does the shocked kick out face because ever I was with him, I was like, "What? When? Huh?" Um, Cassidy <laughs> rolls through the JML driver. They exchange roll ups. Swerve tries to grab. Well, he does. Tries to get the pinfall with a handful of tights. Cassidy tries it and gets it. He gets the one, two, three. Mogul Embassy, furious, immediately hit the ring, beat him down or tried to beat him down when the lights go down, when the lights come back up. Um, Orange Cassidy has been saved by Darby Allen and Sting. This is sensational. Um, I still think, was this the best one? I think it's the one that the consensus will have as the best match. It was sensational. It was awesome. Like for reasons I'm going to get into momentarily, I think maybe I was more impressed by Cassidy versus Buddy Matthews. Yeah. I just thought the storytelling was so elegant. I just thought that was a much colder challenger. And yeah, I really bought that that was the end. I'm the, Jay, I'm the Jay Lethal legwork one. Yeah. It's funny you can I remember. You Jarrett. I thought you were nailed on to having Jarrett. Epic in its own way, wasn't it? You know, But that was always destined to be. Me, like me and Sidgwick were trying to find the ones that weren't expected. Yeah. yeah. This one maybe, yeah, is up there for me because of people already arms folded going into it going, well... They've got to top what they did in the Battle Royal, yeah. and they did here for me. What I love about this as well is Orange Cassidy just building, 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 building the story in this patchwork quilt, and this is just a thread in it. But the fact that he's told you, or shown you rather, that his hand is absolutely f***ed to buggery. <laughs> that, well, he's screwed. He can't really do anything. Mm. So what he's done with this hand injury is that he's earned and justified some of these ridiculous bumps in this just cloudburst of near falls that might be taking the piss if it was like a normal match. Mm. Like they kicked out of a lot here, like yeah. a lot. But he's earned it. He's built it. He's laid it on. He's built that foundation with a hand injury so that when he can't hook the leg, that justifies a kick out from a ridiculously gruesome kill shot, of which there were several in this match. Um, he can't apply pressure on the lateral press because his hand is just so broken and he's just wo- like weaved, woven, whatever. Mm. All of that, and he's wrapped it around this incredible, like really exhilarating, noisy, like content heavy match. Like there was a lot of content, particularly in the back half. Um, I did think that, oh, is this going to? get really good because it doesn't really feel like it's going to get really good and then the second half of this match was just so great um, but he's earned it all like, mm. how far can this go I'm really interested in finding out get to the point for me where I've gone from oh well it's got to be Swerve to all like oh it's got to be Roosh or Andrade or Miro that I'm like it could be fucking Serpentico by the end of this because he could just be so beaten up like you say we all bought on that Carl Fletcher um, thing because yeah. you're like, well, it's not going to be no offense to him, but it's not going to be Carl Fisher that ends this epic title reign, especially not just before the, the pape. But <laughs> it's just going to be just like he's, he's managed to get in the ring, and you've just got to hit one move to beat him now because he's just held together by Tate more so even than bloody Cole on that Survivor Series week. Yeah, like, I think that the finish like will be divisive yeah. for the next few days. I think a lot of people, the result of the finish, the I result, thought, sorry, yeah, the finish the, was great, the finish was amazing. Um. Aye, the fact that like he's having a he's having to get a bit desperate 
and he's having to cheat. But again, the certain context is everything. The certain heels that like out cheating specific heels is one of the smartest babyface things you can do. Turnabout's right. fair play. Yeah. Swerve did it first. Randy Savage pinned Ric Flair with a handful of tights to win his second WWE title. And it was Ric Flair. You're not the dirtiest player in the game. I am. Like the certain times when it's perfect to do that, and he did it here. Swerve was a guy to do it against. So I love the finish. The result, yeah, will be divisive, I think. And I understand it because um, I sat here yesterday and thought the time is absolutely right. But I've said that more than once yes. in this run. I definitely thought Jarrett was going to do it. Um, I thought he was going to lose to Jay White at, in the Battle Royal. I thought he was going to lose here. So that's just the magic of the run showing itself. It's like there are various defences where you think tonight's the night. And that's what you need in these long title reigns for them to be as epic as this one now feels. Um, so I do get that. But we'll not know. Ultimately, we'll not know until he actually loses if and when they nailed the landing with this. But what I will say is that we talk all the time about feeling versus thinking. And towards the back end of this match, because Orange Cassidy is the babyface who I'm deeply, deeply invested in and Swerve is an awesome heel, I was just lost in the fiction. And I was desperate for Orange Cassidy to retain. And with the beach break especially, I couldn't see it happening. So I was completely lost in the fiction Mm. towards the end. And that's like, I know we analyse this and pick it apart. But that's what I want first of all. I'll analyse it after the fact. On like a second viewing, I would much rather be completely lost in the moment of the match first of all. And Orange Cassidy keeps giving me that feeling. He's the best wrestler this year. This is not... This whole push, this whole run, this title reign, is not a response, obviously, to WWE not strapping up Cody Rhodes. But it functions as a nice way of... That horrible take of Cody needs more adversity. It'll be cliched, in the words of Stone Cold Steve Austin, where Cody to have won, and my least favourite one, where do you go after he's won? You, <laughs> do, you do something like this. Mm. Like Babyface title runs are awesome if you're competent and creative. Mm-hmm. Don't just do your trilogies every quarter of a year. Well, I'm just going to check if that tweet is still in his draft. Still there. <laughs> Maybe one lessy. <laughs> um, I'm torn for this next bit, Sige, because I want to be with you and giddy, and I, but I sense we're in the same boat here. Brian Danielson comes out to the commentary table uh, ahead of the next match, and they do the video package. Danielson is challenging Kazuchika Okada during the Dominion show from earlier on in the week. Accepts the fight as Okada. It's happening at Forbidden Door, and Danielson has a great line. When you step in the ring with me, you're stepping foot in the desert, and there'll be no rain for the rainmaker. But I reckon you're thinking a bit like we talked about previously about setting up a night out with the boys in Pando times, I can't get excited about it until we're there because it's going to happen more than likely, but until it happens, I'm scared about getting excited for it. That's how my brain works yeah. generally. About literally everything, I'm broken. <laughs> um, too good to be true, basically. Mm. That's what this is. Yeah, Too good to be bloody true. It's Danielson Okada. I think I mentioned this on the Rampage review. Forgive me for repeating myself. The mega fans will. <laughs> I'm already... Talking myself out of it being great. <laughs> you know, a card at the first all in uh-huh. when he wrestled someone. It was guy, you're taking a while to build this. It got great because it's an Okada match. But it took a while to really get there. Turned out there was a massive problem with how long uh, it yeah, went. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I've seen Okada work shorter matches. Like the Kiyomiya match from earlier this year. Didn't go 35 minutes, and it was incredible. Jay White from Wrestle Kingdom, where mm. he re-debuted the trunks, but got done in 15 minutes. He can't do it, but his mind is so trained to this slow build that what if it just gets good in the last five minutes? 
It's going to be fantastic. Mm. I'm an idiot, but my mind is stupid. Uh, I mean, he was on commentary because it was time for uh, Blackpool Combat Club versus uh, Chaos, Chaos Chuck Taylor, Trent Brown, Rocky Romero, of course. Uh, no messing about with all the Blackpool Combat Club entrants. Taylor and Barretta just hoy chairs at Moxley and Utah. Romero dives onto Claudio, uh, and the match starts with a Trent Barretta superplex to uh, the guy who was kind of brought in to keep his seat warm in Wheelie Utah. Um, they break down, brawl on the outside. Taylor hits a somersault dive onto uh, Castagnoli. Uh, got to give the people what they want with a triple hug. Um, but Utah trips Chuck Taylor to allow uh, Moxley to hit a cutter and take control as we go to a break. Uh, when we come back, Taylor's in trouble. He hits a knee, gets the hot tag to Trent. He runs wild on Moxley. There's a blind tag in there uh, to Rocky Romero. Um he runs wild as well, uh, and then he hits the, uh, well, the smelliest tag team in the world, Rapongi P.U. Vice, as uh, double jump knee on John Moxley. Uh, <laughs> Trent Brett blocks uh, Simon Gatch, uh, pile driver from John Moxley. Best friends hit strong zero for a two count. A Simon Gotch pile driver. Simon Gatch. Simon Gatch. He's got a pair of titties. Like a 65-year-old woman. How you doing? Clearly going down the line oh, here. Oh, I need to watch that again. It's been a while since YouTube recommended it, clearly. <laughs> uh, right, I'm getting off topic here because I'm just going to move out of your pathway here, Michael Sidgwick. Trent Beretta tried a moonsault to the floor to Gladio Castle. Oh, my God. Claudio, yeah, uppercut in midair. Danielson on commentary here. Glee. Yeah. The glee in his voice. That could not have looked more smooth, but not too smooth. Yeah. What an absolute treat of a spot. Yeah. Uh, Utah hits Taylor <laughs> with a Busaiku knee. Moxley, uh, well, Romero's going for a submission. Moxley counters it into a bulldog choke. And Wheeler Utah just keeps elbowing uh, Chuck Taylor post Look, he got the best ones. Yes. Yeah. does. I don't like... Mox's foot stomps. I know it's sacrilege. I love it. Literally everything else about John Moxley's work. His foot stomps look a bit crap. But he can't say it. <laughs> Danielson can't say tighten that up. Mm. Aye. It's, like, it's one of those where it's like, you know, when you just don't know someone's name. It's like, nah, it's been too long. It has been too long. I just can't say it. You. Yeah. <laughs> Mox, like, tighten that up, please. Almost like they're kind of like missing some guidance, isn't it? Tighten those up, son. Tighten those up, son. Not walk down the golden mile unless your shoes aren't tight and all your boots. Uh, walk a mile in your shoes. And I'm a mile away and I've got your shoes. So, <laughs> double win for me, if anything. Couldn't pop a pet ketchup packet with us, son. You couldn't call me a goody two shoes. I was always a better baddie, if you ask me. <laughs> Put your shoes on. What's that? A bit damp. It's because someone's pissed in them. It's an old classic, that. It's an absolute classic, that. Anything with piss gets over. <laughs> Uh, for example, if you're drinking a cup, <laughs> someone has stealthily pissed in it. You, you hit him with this. Oh, nice cup of tea. Oh, it's piss. Gets him every f***ing time. <laughs> Jim Ross once told me you can make an awful lot of money with a cup of piss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danielson loves the post-match attack as well, and you is clearly very pleased with himself uh, as they celebrate Such their a good little prick. Yeah. So good. Um, you should hate him, don't you? Yeah. 
But that's the. I think it, it works because of that. I'm just like, oh, you little twat! <laughs> you got brought in, and, you, and you've gone over there. I bloody love that match where you. What was it? Was it a dynamite match or rampage? Rampage, match? rampage, rampage wasn't it? Yeah, best match of last year. It was, I had to check myself there because I was like, wait a second, a good match on rampage? What's going on here? But that was last year. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the Hung Bucks are backstage. Uh, what a they, name. Yeah. Young Bucks, Young Bucks, biggest cocks in wrestling. <laughs> that was a uh, Luke Gallows line on friggin' being the elite. And they were just being the most uncouth, horrible people who were obviously riffing. Young Bucks, Young Bucks, biggest cocks in wrestling. <laughs> what was Carl Anderson's name in that gimmick that they all hate? Sour Boy. Oh, God. Shoot the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they say next week Dynamite is where it all began, uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, oh, I forgot to say they said, uh, good match. <laughs> and Angman Page says, I mean, I didn't see it, but it sounded good. I know for a fact that is like wrestler crack about somebody, and th- somebody within WWE and Gorilla, I think, but like uh, somebody high up, Michael Hayes, your Bruce Pritchard, that type of figure who would give that as feedback thinking that's the outer boy, whereas really like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Like, it's a dig, I think. It's also a potential deep cut because the rumor mill, maybe they get knocked at the whole Punk's on collision stuff because the rumor in innuendo is that um, Punk was like really, like just used to watch all of it, even Dark and Elevation, and give feedback to whoever wanted it. And apparently the elite, this is the rumor, can't actually remember who cited it, but um, the rumor was that they were like very distant and just hung out in the locker room and didn't really do Ah, nice. that. We'll see if they give like Starbucks gift cards to VCC. Because it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a very elite thing to do. Yeah, it is. Like now that it's been reported that the AEW are trying to be more aggressive in getting them to sign new deals, the, Matt Jackson did this bit on BTE where I was like, oh my God, guys, we got a contract offer from Chili's. We got another one from another restaurant. Who are we going to pick? What are we actually talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, I love the elite. I can understand why people don't. <laughs> uh, so they challenge them uh, for a match next week, and Danielson basically says, when does the Blackpool Combat Club ever turn down a challenge? That match is going to be insane. Like, it's going to be more than a four-and-a-quarter star trios match. I think it's going to be exceptional. I cannot wait. It'll be better than this, but this was really, really fun. Not, I just love trios matches so much. I'll never get over them. I adore them. I'm such a sucker mm. for the arrangement. Oh my god, is it my strong zero? That's it. You can't see the saves because the film it, so you can't see the saves. I just get hooked every single time, and I love it. Um, I won't remember this one. It wasn't particularly standout. It wasn't like remember um, the f- the second, the one where they didn't do the basketball stuff. Um, maybe I think it was the first. The Elite versus AR Fox and yeah, um, top, top flight. flight, just unbelievable. I wasn't that tier, not mm. pay per view on TV tier, but still loads of bloody fun, nice blizzard of action. Yeah, they're called best friends, not best match. Like it was all right, but like when BCC fight, that was snarky. That's fair, they're boring. Park when and lot wrong. Uh, all right, well, then you found the rule proven exception. Like the <laughs> match next week, I'm assuming BCC win again. You like raw. <laughs> I'd like it less if Best Friends are on it. The, um, best Friends do better TV matches than anything you see on Raw. Come on. No. Like, have you ever seen The Miz? Have you heard his achievements? Best Friends make noise? I, 
<laughs> so does the Miz when he's talking about all of his achievements. Have you seen his title page? You've got nothing. You've got absolutely. I you'll do. I am entitled not to like the bang average wrestlers from your shitty little show. Uh, You're drawing. The, <laughs> what was I going to say? Stop fighting. Are the BCC going to fight the House of Black for the trios belts? Ooh. In like, in your meaningless little division. Like, because I think someone picked like, that to us on the news the other day. The United States. That's, <laughs> that's a meaningless division too. Like. Finally, we agree again. Because <laughs> this feels like they've been made more of a trio. Danielson, suspiciously, still isn't bumping much. He's clearly saving them now to get his ass kicked by a carter. But, like, is that a direction? Cause I think Blood and Guts is still a direction. They're talking yeah. about going to Japan, getting kind of the forgot Bushi. about that, yeah. I don't know. I like them as a trio. There's the a thing with Dynamite instead of Rolls, like you actually have to pay attention. There's a meanness. <laughs> I'm going to never sell that. There's a meanness to them as a trio that I really quite like. It's bringing out the best in Utah. He's getting all these wins. Like it's bringing out the best in Claudio. Claudio's like there's something. This extra, run is really happening now. Extra personality to this when he's in this trio. So I don't know. I, I kind of like stupid caveman. He's a monster. He's a monster. Yeah. Huge when he, he just posed after that uppercut. And he just screams like he's class. Him and like I got more. Of, I like, thought it took a while to get the. Oh, it's Claudio. Yeah, without the. Um, you know, the restrictions. Give me more of what I'm meant to see and I'm getting it now. Until Brian Cage came out in his jeans and it's like, real people clothes with that body. Claudio was one of the, bloody hell, he's big. Yeah, guys yeah. from seeing live and I hadn't, hadn't thought that when I'd seen him like prior in WWE or since he arrived last year. So I do, I, like, I quite like them as a trio. If Danielson's going to be working less and booking these rampage shows, whatever it is that he's doing now. I think... I think it, maybe that's a, a, a thing down the road, but I wouldn't do it yet because... Well, I d- I don't think the House of Black going to drop the titles anytime soon. I think they're no. going to And also, I want to see mo- loads more dealer's choice stipulations. Have some fun with that for a bit, at least. Because that's not that's not a it's, part no, of it. I'm not having fun with that. <laughs> Turn the bloody <laughs> lights off. That's your, that's your stipulation every time. Turn the lights off. I went live, and it was fun. It was better on better live than on TV. But the, the sheer drop-off from investment and volume and atmosphere to when it gets in the ring. And that was never a problem with them. They've always been awesome. It's like, turn those bloody lights up. It's, you cannot reconcile how over these guys are, the House of Black, to what you see in the ring with these lights. It just, stop it. It's stupid. You're stepping on your own dick. The less issue with the lights so much as the dealer's choice, you claimed, just didn't bother yeah. with it. And I, I would get that if it was, well, we'll bother next time. But then you've just made your baby faces stupid for not picking one. It was just odd that they made, made me think they were just dropping it. Dropping that element of it cold. And oh. it is it's kind of stupid for, like, you can pick what you want. All right, then. Like, yeah, hands and legs are handcuffed. Well, you can't have that. Well, you said dealer's choice. Yeah. What is it? You've got to mm. wrestle all blindfolded. Why would, why would they not just do that? You can't wrestle if you're in a band or you're Australian. Yeah. Okay, go. Dealer's choice. Okay. Uh, Malachi Black and Buddy Matthews can't wrestle. It's us three versus Brody King. Actually, that's Brody stupid. Still yeah. yeah, yeah. Still lost. It's, it's, I don't think that element of it works. But it's stupid. They could just defend the belts in cool trios matches, yeah. I guess. Like they're, they're so close. Uh, we get a video package for the other match, uh, confirmed for Forbidden Door 2. Yeah, I don't know why I said it like that. I got confused. Uh, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. Um, they had quite a good match at Wrestle Kingdom, obviously, this year. Uh, <laughs> I'm scared, man. I'm I'm not. I'm scared of everything because I'm scared about things for which I should be excited. That's how my brain works. Yes. I'm scared of Danielson and Okada going too slow at the start. I'm scared of what they're going to do to each other. And that avalanche Kreutz wrath, the whole point of a sequel is that you're meant to intensify mm. things. 
Like, I was like, we all thought Osprey had been shoot. Well, he had, but he had suffered injuries, obviously. But like, we're like, oh, cool. So he's at Death's Door. Um, how do you top that? Yeah. We're seeing the best version of what is one of Kenny Omega's favorite AEW storylines, pretending to be crap. Like, he loves doing this, and we'll keep trying to get it over. That line, I don't lose big matches. Like, he's about to. What's going to happen then? Yeah. Like, I, re- I thought that was such a great line, as you're seeing all these clips of him looking, like, bigger than ever. Yeah. I don't lose big matches. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Kind of wait. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, next up, we get the world champion Maxwell Jacob Friedman come down. You know him. He's the, um, he's the world champ and also the guy who uh, said this podcast is one of the only professional wrestling podcasts that's actually worth a f- You remember him. Um, I think you know the guy. <laughs> runs down Colorado, calls them drug addicts, tells them to shut up, basically, uh, and simply says there's no com- competition for him here in AEW. No one is on the level of the devil. Here comes Adam Cole, baby, though. Uh, <laughs> dickhead. Before he can do the uh, Adam Cole, baby, line, and Jeff gets the music cut off, and everyone's like, oh, I want to not. I've got Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> I want to bust a I've got blue balls now. Um MJF's like, finally some competition. And he, he talks about being a fan of Adam Cole. And, I mean, well, to steal a phrase. And, I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? I'm just getting ahead of those bellends. He was like, I wish people, I wish MJF stopped relying on this supposed history of his with uh, Punk and now Adam Cole and da-da-da-da. No, literally check his, was it his Instagram we were looking at this morning? Yeah. He knows what he's tweeted, Facebooked, and Instagrammed in his life and uses it. Why would you not? He knows that people are going to go back and look for stuff after the fact. And he remembers what he posted because he posted. That's just good character work. Yeah. (laughs) Understanding how the medium works now and understanding that people love to be detectives after the fact. And he's rewarding people for that. Why would you not? He never says, check my Instagram. I said it. Believe me. (laughs) So uh, He understands the extra dimension of what it is to be a like a wrestler in 2023 and how we yes. use yeah. like the media. 
He, uh, he said once CM Punk left him as a kid, he was flicking through the channels and he turned to Ring of Honor. Anyone heard of uh, Ring of Honor in here? Um, <laughs> thought it sucked, obviously, but he was hooked on the beautiful Adam Cole's Based work. on the amount of people that turned up just before Dynamite started in Vegas, plenty of people in that crowd hadn't heard of Ring of Honor. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they weren't getting there for doors like we were. Uh, anyway, he talks about Cole's time in CZW, traveling the Indies, going to Florida to shock the system as Shawn Michaels' hand-picked guy. Said he was the greatest champion that they ever had, and that is undisputed. Um, Even he did the who. Yeah. He uh, says he followed in Cole's footsteps. He went to uh, CZW. He became a name on the Indies, uh, and he signed to AEW because he was destined to one day feud with Adam Cole. And then he was like, what happened to you, man? The Panama Panama Playboy has become the Panama Game Boy, who's more preoccupied with playing video games whilst his balls are in uh, Britt Baker's poise. <laughs> Said, uh, you're so frail now, you make crack horse jealous. Um, they do everything here, despite what some people may think. They do everything to make you look good. You get all the entrance, all the bells and whistles. You know what they do to make me look good? They ring the damn bell. Nice. Huge pap. He hid that a little bit, didn't he? Yeah. He thought he was doing his shtick about best Iron Man match, best whatever, and then he, I was really impressed with that. Yeah. yeah, he said Yeah, he said he had the best dog collar match, best Iron Man match, best four-way match in AEW history. And I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? And he'd heard this rumor that a certain... I did like how he specified singles dog collar. Yeah. Just you'd never really get anything nice out of him because of the way he does the character... That was a nice little, yeah. he knows. Um, but he had heard a rumor that a certain individual in Titan Towers didn't think uh, Cole could make it. His name's Vince McMahon, he said immediately after that. Big fan, says uh, Maxwell. Um, Big fan. He thought, he had thought the old man had lost his mybles, but um, now he's standing in the ring with Adam Cole. <laughs> uh, he says, I think Vince was right. And Cole's like, is that the best you've got? You're coming across like an internet troll, basically. He says, why are you obsessed, by the way, with other people's relationships? Is that, is that why your fiancé left you? He says, uh, MJF, you are world-class. A world-class douchebag, that is. Um, he says, in regards to my body of work, you can't touch me, and maybe we should go backstage, speaking of bodies, and piss in some cups and take some tests to see who's natural and who's not. Love that mental image. Apparently, we're just doing it together. <laughs> Uh, he swears on his life that no one backstage respects MJF. Everyone thinks he's selfish, he's conceited, and he does the bare minimum to get where he's at. Um, and MJF's like, oh, I'm going to cry in my money backstage. And that's real tough talk coming from Keith Lee's manager. Uh, and Cole says, that's typical you, creating this false narrative. Um, you're a coward for not wanting to fight. I'm better than you, and they, the fans, know it. And this really fires MJF up and he says, I'll fight you anytime, anywhere. And Cole says, boy, champ. Hits the old Adam Cole, baby. And walks off and, and later on it's confirmed there's going to be an eliminator match on next week's Dynamite. I thought this was long but very, very, very good and effective. Yeah. And listen, listen to the volume they orchestrated in this building. And that's pretty much, you know, objective evidence that this worked. They had a lot to do here. I was thinking you're going through a lot of material for a long time. And then it made all the sense in the world that that's because the Eliminator matches next week. I will say that I was disappointed to see Adam Cole because I just thought someone like Ishii or Tanahashi or Naito was going to come and defend the honor of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Especially when he said no one around here. Yes, that's the thing. No one around here from New Japan could come in. So I thought that was a tee-up for that. So it was a bit weird 
frankly, to see Adam Cole when you've got the Forbidden Door pay-per-view upcoming. Maybe they are going to build this MGF hates New Japan thing as something in the back pocket for like the year, next year, or even the years to come. Because this is a company that genuinely thinks in years. If you look at everything they've done with the Elite Saga, like they've got multiple years in sight when they are telling these stories. So maybe that's what's going to happen. Um, but as far as this kind of thing goes, the Invisible Wall, the Verbal Showdown, they had a lot to get through, and it became clear that they had a lot to get through. But I thought the way they did the exposition here was <clears throat> deft mm. because he didn't just recite the Wikipedia page. Here's what you've done. Yeah. I looked on championship and, and accomplishments <laughs> subsection. <Yeah. laughs> this is why you're good, but this is why I hate you. That's the basic approach. He tied it into his fandom. And I did see some complaints online about, oh, another MGF when he was young story. Yes, because it's substantiated. He's got the digital history. He's got the digital footprints that people can sleuth out. Yeah. And it can add resonance to all of this. Why wouldn't a young wrestler in the social media age who debuted well after that age had been upon us use this for storytelling purposes? And it gave an element of credibility to the way he put over Adam Cole. Like, why wouldn't you? It's moronic to suggest that this is a bad way to do things or he's had too much of a life. He's telling us too much of his life. It's a work and he's trying to tell you that He's blurred the lines in the past. Why wouldn't you mine it for material? So I thought the way that he added this personal slant, A, it was believable. We've seen the evidence now. B, it was just a nice way of getting that exposition dump yeah. of why I respect you, why I also think you're a disappointment to me. Out of the way, I will say Cole's retorts, I was almost cringing at some of them. Douchebag. Ugh. That wasn't good. The body of work wordplay didn't do a lot for me. I thought MGF's kind of eating him alive here. It's not his fault. Yeah. Like Cole should come back with better stuff. The piss line was great and it really kind of salvaged things for me. I do think that they could accomplish this sort of thing with a few minutes shaved off, but I as a writer can't do that either. <laughs> so it'd be hypocritical in the extreme of me to criticize people for not being able to self-edit. Listen to this long-winded... <laughs> spiel the point about douchebag as well goes back to the first thing you said which was objectively it went down pretty well I fans chanted douchebag after the fact i was with you it was a bit cheesy but like i thought cole got enough here i like the subtle allusions to mjf putting adam cole on the same pedestal as cm punk like cm punk walked out on me you have become a disappointment cole just like cm punk was like is this all you've got i expected more from the great mjf there's like a lot of like, very sort of similarities, and we know Punk thinks Adam Cole's a sweetheart. He's yeah. about the only person he does. Like, so it was nice that they were positioned on the same level because it immediately, because of all this MJF Punk law, it immediately elevates this feud, and it's one week old. It's one promo old, and this did a far better job of establishing what now already feels like a personal issue than a lot of AEW stories. They take a lot longer to find the personal issue than this one did, and obviously you see why, because you're getting the match announced next week. I don't think I love that we're getting the match, or I don't think I wanted a contenders match. I think I wanted a few more personal issues in a title match. Assuming that Cole wins, I don't, I don't love the rematch being for the title, but maybe this is it. Maybe MJF wins and we get surprised, and Cole has to find another way to the title, because I will say this, like regardless of the verbiage, I was completely sold and believed Adam Cole has been 
playing chess while MJF was playing checkers because he's just got his title match. He's like, he's just got to like, I'll see you in the ring soon, champ. Like, the, they gave Adam Cole the big sort of last word, big win here mm. over the guy that normally mentally dismantles his opponents and kind of did with the four pillars one. So I was all in on a title match. And now we've got to see him earn that. And it's, I think I would have rather just had that preserved. So, but I'm going to let that play out. But it wouldn't have been the way I would have chosen. If we're going to a rematch for the belt, it wouldn't have been the way personally I'd have picked to get there. I was taken aback by how quickly the match is happening. The fact that Cole MGF is happening on the eve of Forbidden Door. It's one of those where I'm just letting it play out, trusting yeah. the process. Yeah. There must be a reason why they're rushing it during the one month where you don't have to rush anything in your sort of main canon. So I'm really fascinated by this and trusting of it. Also. We only got two more dynamites till Forbidden Door. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Hell, yeah. It's, I, I'm with you there because I was about that. I was trying to carry it on my hands there, going like, right, we got that, and then then we got that. Yeah, there's got, they've got to be going somewhere. And like you say, to, I obviously enjoyed all of this. So I knew it was going long, but I didn't mind. But I also, yeah, thought. Well, pace yourself here. You could go, you know, do, I don't know, history stuff and then body stuff and then relationship stuff. I don't necessarily think that was a good, it was a good idea to just isolate that for one week's promos. But like you say, if you go in to the next pay-per-view that isn't Forbidden Door, hey, give yourself a bit of wiggle room here. Well, but this is blocked out well yeah, in advance. exactly. I'm willing to, to, to see where this goes next. Um because we know about, you know, how long these legacy things uh, occasionally can go on for. Speaking of which, um, Matt, Jeff, uh, Hardy Boys, firm stuff. Um, we see the stuff from the buy-in on Double or Nothing where, you'll love this, Hitch, um the Hardys now have got control of Ethan Page's contract, which if you remember, um, is what happened with Matt Hardy. So it's like a weird role reversal. It's great. Um Brothers A and there is there with them with the snazzy neck brace. And Ethan Page is, is forced to apologize or ordered to apologize to Zay for doing what he did to his neck. Page apologized, had a couple of cracks at it. Um, and Matt promised that he could uh, really do things for Ethan Page's career. And Zay moaned in a lower octave in uh, Page's ear because his throat's buggered still. Right. Okay. I hate this. Of course I do. <laughs> I said when I saw Sidney's tweet, it was like, it was good. It kind of went off the rails towards the end. I was like, this will be the point. It wasn't, but yeah. I didn't like it at all. Uh, what annoys me about this is when Matt Hardy on Twitter um, or on his podcast, maybe he was trying to play both sides, when the word storytelling first became really irritating, when the Bloodline storyline was still good for WWE. <laughs> he said in his pod or in or whatever, you know, I think I think AEW should focus more on the storytelling business. I just so happen to be writing one right now. It's crap and it's terrible. And this next thing makes no sense. He is trying to mentor Ethan Page, mm -hmm. trying to make him be a nice man. See the error of his ways. Uh, what's Ethan Page doing on Rampage this week? He's teaming so with Lee Moriarty and Big Bill. Matt Hardy being in charge of his contract, should by rights be saying, no, no, you're not taking that match. You can team with us. Mm. We'll show you the right way to win. Obviously. They have been teaming on the house rules tour, haven't they? Okay. And didn't they delete the firm? Yes. 
<laughs> yes. This is just um, so the Lee Moriarty and Ethan Page. Oh, so sorry, the whole yes. idea is, and it's contrived to make the story happen, which is not good storytelling. Maybe you should do good stories like the ones that are already in AEW, man. Is <laughs> Ethan Page will cheat, and then Matt Hardy can go, don't do that. What was he going to do, Matt, when you sanctioned this day on his contract, which you own? It's so stupid. It's so beneath what I expected this promotion at its best. Stop entertaining the delusions of the storyteller. You've finally given me a reason why I can say I like Raw, because it's been three years since we had to review a Matt Hardy segement on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolute piss. I, do you know what, as well? In it's this segment, piss. It's a bit like... And not in a good William Regal way. Hey, have you a cup of tea? That's Matt Hardy. And <laughs> no, no one goes in for that. <laughs> Sign this contract with his pen. Wait a second, that's not a pen, that's piss. It's just a piss frozen into an icicle. Got a piss icicle. I was trying to think what Matt Hardy's wacky <laughs> phrase for a pen would be, but it's only got one word, so we I'm can't just do any. Mower of lawns. I'm, I'm writer of ink. Just good now. Wasted three minutes of valuable rampage preview time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'll say the same thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just clip this and... And I'll ask us a question tomorrow. Okay. He's, he's going to not cheat. They're going to lose. Like if, well, not pertaining to Rampage. Okay. Ethan Page is going to refuse to cheat. They're going to lose. And then Ethan Page is going to be like, yes, Matt Hardy's teachings are working. We've lost. We've lost. <laughs> he's going to try and be the babyface amongst heels. A point of balls. Yes. Revolve point. Go. Very good. Uh, Big Bill getting mixed in with the Matt Hardy. Uh, nope. Nope. Monkey nope. more stuff with Big Bill, isn't it? You were complaining nope. about him not being on Dynamite. It's like, oh, you want him on the show, do you? Well, we'll put him on Rampage and do this bollocks. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh, hang on. I think I've got a sound effect for that one, actually. I want Big Bill on the show. Well, he's going to do more Matt Hardy stuff. No! 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 I forgot all about that. Yeah, me that. too. Oh, God. Right, let's move on. It's time for Jungle Hook uh, versus uh, Preston uh, Vance and Drillistico in a Texas Tornado match. Um, Jungle Hook get attacked during their entrance. Uh, Jose the assistant knows his role, immediately throws cable cords into the ring. Uh, Preston charges at uh, Hook at ringside with a chain that he's got, but Hook low bridges him and they brawl into the crowd. Um, Jungle Boy goes uh, choking Drillistico with the, the cord that's been introduced, rips at the mask. There's a brawl between, as I say, Preston Vance and Hook into the commercial. When we come back, um, oh, I hate this move. I, it, it's, I've been reminded, I used to hate it when Del, Del Rio did it as well, but the convolution of just like, right, we're going to hang you in the ropes. I counted this time. It was 15 seconds. Poor Jungle Boy just had to sit there going, right, go on, up you go, up to get onto the apron. Oh, bloody, oh, he's come off that and stopped me on the apron now. I was hung in the ropes. Um... Hook jumps off the barricade with a chain, and uh, Preston Vance gets all the juice in the world for this one. I'm a sadist when it comes to this sort of thing. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. He looks even better covered in blood, Preston Vance. Imagine putting him in a mask. Thank God they took that off him eventually, because... Oh, my God. Sorry. Anyway. Um, um, second, second best player job on the show, I'd say. Best one was backstage. We'll get to that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um... Jungle Boy goes for a dive. Uh, Preston catches him. Drillistico leaps off the top to the floor. Uh, it looks like they're going to double sh- choke slam hook, but he uh, fights back and hits an overhead throw on Drillistico. Vance hits a, by the way, oh my God. amazing discus lariat on oh, him. Yeah. Took his head off. Uh, he wraps the chain around the, his neck. He's 
choking him on the apron, but Jungle Boy comes in with a chair shot, and then Hook hits a sort of T-bone suplex off the apron, um, uh, whilst uh, Perry spikes Drillistico with a DDT in the ring. Sorry, he hits a T-bone suplex off the apron through the tables, whilst Perry hits Drillistico with a DDT. Jose makes the save, takes his shirt off. Oh, my God. Um Fires up, backs straight into Red Rum, and uh, Jungle Boy puts Strelisco in the snare trap, and they get the submission for the victory. Very quickly, before I give you my take on the match, the funniest vanity search of all time happened, or I stumbled upon it, where I tweeted my general thoughts on Dynamite, saying, you know, it was ran out of steam at the end, had lots of fun with it, but it still feels like they're just trying to get hot, or whatever. And then the wonderful Travis, oh, yeah. the AW1, mm-hmm. tweeted... Jose, the assistant, taking his shirt off is enough to power all two hours of dynamite. Retweeted by Jose, the assistant, <laughs> yeah. who was not added. So it's one thing the vanity search, like, you know, Chris Jericho. Just as an oh, that's on my head. Just a, just a theoretical example, right? The guy is t- typing in Jose, the assistant, search. <laughs> Retweet, 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 retweet. Oh, that's nice. People are talking nice about me. Just a vanity searching Jose the assistant. I'm going to have to put them in inverted commas because I'm getting tweets about Jose's there's, and the assistants at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's Tremendous. Uh, this is a match of two halves twice, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So the first half of it is trundled along, kind of assembling the furniture for the things that were going to happen later. It was a bit tepid. It's not that chaos that you'd expect from an AEW plunder match. And then when... Hook and Vance went up to the balcony and thought, cool, suplex off it. There's no table. What are you doing up there? A bit scared. And they just kind of walked back down. Yeah. It's like, don't do that because it's AEW. Failure otherwise, there's an expectation of mad stuff happening. And if you go to like a visual signifier of this is where the mad stuff happens and then don't deliver it, it just feels a bit uh, deflating. Not expecting them to do a 10-foot avalanche suplex onto concrete with there not being a table stacked there. But you see the balcony and you think things happen here. That was weird. A bit distracting, a bit deflating. Um, and then the other match of two halves is that everything Jack Perry and Jalistico did was either mid or convoluted, as you mentioned, with that terrible, contrived, make-this-move-happen-by-doing-a-stupid decision. And then blood happened. Mm-hmm. Bleed on every show. It can still be really effective. And this is uh, exhibit A in the in the favor of that argument. Because I don't know if he was just too enthusiastic with the blade or whether it was hard way. Hook wearing white leads me to believe that they've he's just cut himself too deep. It's absolutely tremendous. Because either he's worked this made my you made me bleed my own blood. I, I'm going to kill you, Hook. He has absolutely has rammed him into the barricade like over and over again and that discus he looked like he was mm. giving him a receipt. Awesome. I d I can't tell what I like more. One, if it's magic only in wrestling improvisation and he's thought, what have you done to my face? I'm a bit hot, I'm gonna, you mm. know, give you a receipt. Or if he's worked that from a character motivation mm. and story perspective. Because as soon as he started gushing blood, this match got pretty awesome. And what I loved about that rampage from Vance is that, oh, you need to do something big to put that guy away. And it justified the big T-bone suplex through the table spot. So I had a lot of fun with this, but it took a while to get there. Yeah, it was a dub- it was double, double greatness as well because you got 
Preston Vance, who already looks great and is covered in blood now, and then by the fact that they're working uh. together, Hook and all of his body got covered in blood. Oh my god! A lot of blood. people would have liked that, I was, and I was one of them. That was good <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I completely agree with that because I was feeling a little bit at first like it was all a bit lightweight. Like if I mean, if you take the weapons out of this and you're just doing the jungle hooker back, here's a kind of functional win to remind you that they were once a team. Then this would just be outright boring, and the weapons are kind of giving them. It's a bit of a cheat code for them, but I do think it became its own thing as the match went on. I quite like. I thought there was a little bit of texture to the layout here. There was a couple of times when, and it was the parents, Drillistico and Jungle Boy were kind of engaged in like this, like battle of who could just be the sneakiest and who could get a move in. Whereas Hook was constantly taking himself, both on offense and defense, taking himself out of his physical comfort zone for the good of the team. And you got that with the huge T-bone spots at the table. Look at what Hook is prepared to do because he bloody loves Jungle Hook and he's so buzzed at this team back together. Right down at the finish, like, Hook pretty much has it done with Red Rum. And yes, Jungle Boy being there is making sure the move can't be broken up. But it's Hook that's leading the charge, and Jungle Boy's kind of playing catch-up. His weapon stuff is like chair shots to the back, ripping a mask off. He's kind of being a bit of a dickhead now. Whereas Hook's just all in, yeah, we're back, we're having the fight. But in a very Hook way. Yes. He's not playing cheerleader as such, but he's showing that he's levelling up because he wants to be back on the level of Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy, the man that pulled the team apart in the first place. Like, And I quite like those spots, like, kind of being very different to one another in the way that they were approaching the match to the point where then you get the thing where Jungle Boy picks up the chair at the end and you get your little five seconds of a flash tease before they both get on the ropes and do the pose. And I don't know, I give them credit for that. I don't think that was an accident. And it was like, how can we make this weapons match matter for the little story that we're burying here? Here's a question. What do you think happens first? Because uh, one of them might be one we just, I think this is going to happen. But the other one, I don't know, because someone tweeted us last week saying, oh, I didn't get any of that, but I'm glad you enjoyed it or whatever. We might have just invented it. Jungle Hook split, the acclaimed turn on Billy Gunn. <laughs> Jungle Hook split. Jungle Hook, I think, yeah. But I still do see that one happening. Yeah. I've been thinking about how I would like Jungle Hook to be like, and he can say it was just inconvenience or he can have his explanation for it, but not really an explanation. Him not being there to save Hook, getting monstered by Christian Cage and Luchasaurus and Luchasaurus win the FTW title. <gasps> and it's that specifically that Jungle, Jungle Boy is not there for Hook for or something like that, like a real... Bastard's trick. You could have saved him and you didn't, and it was against them. You know they're off. Yeah. What's your fucking problem, Jungle Boy? I think this is like really, I kind of hate Jack Perry already. Little touches in this match. I yeah. felt like I was being instructed to hate him. Mm. Really cheerlead for Hook. Uh, it's time for Tony Khan's uh, weekly announcements. Uh, he uh, announces, obviously, uh, AW Collision's coming up. When's, that, when's that happening, actually? Remember the date for that? June 17th. Oh, so that's in. Uh, Nine days! Good. Very he nice. says the main event for it is going to be uh, Switchblade, Jay Wood, um, Juice Robinson, and Samoa Joe versus the AW Tag Team Champions, FTR, and... What? CM Punk. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, felt like, it felt like an age. He was trying to like, build the anticipation, <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah. So, all right, okay, he's not very good. <laughs> Great book. Uh, yeah. Not a good on-screen presence. I'm blinking first, Tony. You win. Just say his name. <laughs> Right. I know I fantasy booked something not too dissimilar. Yeah. But it's not because it was my fantasy. I just thought that's what they were going to do. Mm -hmm. What I want them to do is do CM Punk versus Matt Jackson, and then CM Punk and FTR versus The Elite, and then CM Punk versus Kenny Omega. That's what I want them to do. They're not going to do it. And this just feels bittersweet. A total bittersweet compromise. And now that it's been announced, I would not, for how big this should feel, and for the sake of optics, I wouldn't put CM FTR in the first match. 
rediscover your bond in the process of collision. And I will let it play out, but it just doesn't feel like tremendously fascinating or big to me. Um, and I think as a tone setter, having a match with CM Punk and his mates on the first show is a bad look. It just underscores that, oh, that's what this is for. This is to placate Philip <laughs> by letting him team with his friends. Oh, Bret Hart friends. <laughs> <laughs> against the f- a handful of the few people who are prepared to collaborate with him. I would have at least, like, you're not going to get what people really want, and that is CM Punk versus his enemies, for real. <laughs> um, I would at least have gone with something that suits the strengths of CM Punk as a character. I would have had Samoa Joe just thing him out, just absolutely chew him out, um, offer him out, a, a killer Samoa Joe promo. Like, it still wouldn't be the same as what everyone really deep down wants CM Punk to do. But as CM Punk palling around with his Bret Hart friends, it's just, it underscores what this show is at its, I don't want to say rotten core. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> On the night, it could be great. They will milk the Joe Punk interaction. We'll get the fans chanting, holy sh, like before they even touch. Yeah. It'll be a great bit of business, but I can't get that jazz to boot it. <laughs> I ain't no wrestling podcaster, but I didn't see what's wrong with lacking Bret Hart. <laughs> um, He's my favorite too. <laughs> He's on Miro Schmoll. It's, uh, yeah, it's fine. It is fine. I'm not aggressively fine. Yeah, I'm not buzzed. Like, you could sort of see the this most one. over guy in this match is Juice Robinson. You could, oh, and I'm not being ironic. Yeah. You could sort of see this. on him yet, by the way. You Best know, thing about this main event. The, a version of this was probably always destined to be the case. I was. M. Jeff had me on the hook a little bit when he said, I'll fight you any night of the week. And I'd had it in my head. It was like, maybe they'll just go big, something really big. I do like, and I think I could be proven wrong because it could be both. They could have bookend this with CM Punk talking at the start, wrestling at the end. There is more money in what CM Punk has to say than like watching him wrestle. Yeah. So that's quite smart. If he just wrestles in the main event and it's like, welcome to Collision. Jane hits, <laughs> Orange Cassidy opens because that's what makes a great EW show. And then he wrestles at the end and it's like, next week on Collision, CM Punk speaks for the first time. You are tuning in. Like, you've seen him wrestle, he's put the tights on. Please don't get injured. Please don't do anything stupid. It's he's a weather long, boys. It's gone well, let's assume. And then it's like, right, night two for Collision, he's going to speak. You assume it's going to be setting up the Jay White match off the back of something that happens in the six-man. Great, because it's not really about what he's talking about with Jay White. It's about what's he talking about, brackets general. Like, I think there's some method to that madness, but this match Second itself... Second collision taped? Oh, I don't know. So, I feel like it's around Forbidden Door weekend that the set schedule gets screwed up. I assume it's not moving nights, obviously. I assume they're just taping it on, like, yeah, a Thursday. Yeah, yeah. One of them's taped. If it is taped, it's going to be a wheel here from CM Punk. It's him in the locker room after the trios, and then the next live one is when he speaks. Something like that. Mm. I just, I don't... Yeah, I don't know what would have made this version of the CM Punk return match more... Exhilarating because it's not exhilarating. I knew that when I saw it, I wasn't like squealing with excitement over. I'm very, very excited for CM Punk to get back in the ring, but not in this way. And I don't even think a Samojo singles personally. I don't think a Samojo singles match would have been that. Yes, here we go. Power's back. Little Punk is back. But aye. Uh, what what could be as good as CM Punk versus some iteration of the Elite? Yeah, yeah. To compromise. Think it'll ever happen? Never say never in this business. Bill Watts once told me, you never, ever see never in your business. You just know you're going to get CM Punk versus Colton Gunn first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
for example. Like uh, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's good. Fine. It'll be. They'll really want it to be great on the night. Punk and Joe facing off will be like a capital M moment. Mm-hmm. Fun. You know. Do you do a live stream for it? Yes. Me and Murray are going to do it. I think. I think. I hope. It's a punker. Draw some numbers. I'd set my alarm. Yeah. Uh, then we got Sunday s- mornings are very. Oh, I've got to set my we got <laughs> a uh, Kanosuke Takeshita squash match next. I can't have been the only one who thought he was fighting Sean Spears for a split second. Yeah. Taller Sean Spears. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a run. Give him a run to destroy. What a yeah. weird choice of jobber. Damon Ace, I believe, was his name. Um Marco stunned. Mm. He, uh, he batted him, basically. Charged at him straight away. Nailed him with strikes. I think Ace got one in. And then Takeshi just nailed him. Headbutts, I think, in the corner as well. Running knee strike. Got the one, two, three, but it was about the, the post-match. Actually, I should point out, whilst the match was going on, they just looped Don Callis turning on Kenny Omega and Takeshi getting involved, of course. Um, Don Callis gets the microphone. He says, unlike last week, I am going to be heard. Uh, Takeshi yells in Japanese to get the people to shut up. Uh, Callis says, everything Omega has in his life is because of me. Uh, Omega defeated Will Ospreay because of me. Uh, and basically he said, Omega has become a cancer in my body, so I so I cut it out, and me and my family are going to cut the elite from AEW for good. I really hate it when people use cancer as yep. a metaphor. Same. So, but I like the story so much that I'm willing at this point to just go with it because it's what a heel would say. So it's a work of friggin' fiction, for Christ's sake. It wasn't as loud as last week, but it's, I watched this again just to marvel at Callus. He just he didn't get the same reaction. He couldn't, but he worked to yeah, one I that was that, yeah. not too um, embarrassing in contrast. I didn't like the squash. thought Takeshita should have had a smaller guy and was should have been horrible to him. Um, it's just as well that he doesn't need an establishing squash match because he's already one of the best wrestlers in the world, but the squash didn't do much of me, uh, for me. Um the segment didn't in terms of the content of it, other than appreciating Callus and his carny tricks and master mastery of this sort of thing. I just love the fact that it existed because it's sort of, we're only doing this as a tell to the audience. Takeshita has gone from recurring guest star to he's in the credits of the show now. They've had the rotating cast. He was in it. He was in and out. Narrow loss here, narrow loss there. Great match. Building the idea of this guy needs a change in direction. And he's a little bit wayward. And that's how it feeds into the callous thing. Doing this twice in a row, even though it was a bit redundant and not as good in comparison, was nonetheless an excellent idea because it tells people now is the time to cash dirt as part of this show properly. Um, so I just love the fact that it existed. And I know that's generous, but it is what it is. No, AEW are guilty of not following up enough. Um, and Takeshita, I don't know if Takeshita needed it specifically. The angle definitely didn't. No. But um, I just think precedent might have worked against him if he hadn't been on the show. Yeah, there are absolutely. Plenty, there are plenty of times where somebody's really hot one way to go away for three. And you couldn't do that because this is going to be main event stuff. It's going to be blood and guts or it's going to be elite stuff. It's going to be a big, big deal. Singles with Omega inevitably. At yeah. Some point. Like, and Callis is such a knobhead that you'd believe he'd go, is Ken here tonight? No. I'll be going out yeah, the yeah, yeah. then. He's talking about his family and he's talking about others and obviously really good point, Wilbur. Hey, just call me butter, baby. I'm on a roll. There's Osprey, which he's met he's put bruv in his thing. Uh but 
Osprey hates Canadians, so that'll be fun to watch that play out. Uh, like Callis abandoning Canada to get in with Will Osprey. Does it mean like United en- uh, Empire coming to attack the elite? Like Callis is talking about numbers. He's not just talking about um, Takeshita, I don't think. So this this opens up, I think, a little bit. I think it's beyond. And I was saying to you this morning, like the idea of taking the elite out, you mentioned it last week, so there's that new T-shirt, they've got the heart, soul, the spirit of AEW. Like, that's popular at the moment to talk about the heart and soul, the company and all that. Like, genuinely, I wonder if that's tied into the contract discussion. Like, setting up a big storyline about taking out the elite does sort of protect you if this contract thing doesn't work out the way you thought it yeah. might. So, you know, I think it will. I think they'll resign, but it doesn't hurt to be running this storyline right now. Uh, brutal will happen next. Uh, Alex... <laughs> Alex- <laughs> Alex Marvez backstage. Uh, he's going to see Christian Cage. There's a big commotion going on in there. Cage comes out and says he's pissed off, obviously, with what Arn Anderson did at the Pape. He's the uncrowned TNT champion. Um, and as an early Father's Day present, he set Luchasaurus on, on uh, Arn's son, Brock, and he's done something horrific. He's put a small amount of gravy on uh, Brock Anderson's forehead. That's what it looked like. Uh, absolutely abysmal, this. I did like the heel motive. Luchasaurus tried to cheat first, but in Christian Cage's twisted mind, Arn Anderson... Did it. That's good. Um, like, it didn't help remotely that Preston Vance yes. looked like he'd just been, like, stabbed in the temple. <laughs> and it was that was a gusher. Um, so that was terrible in contrast. But even in isolation, it just looked so fake. I'm not campaigning for people to do blade jobs for the purpose of a backstage segment. No. What a waste that would be. But if they're going to do a, um unseen attack, just hit a chair against a wall while Marvez is going, oh, what's that? Open the door. Um, Brock Anderson, obviously he hasn't taken one, is lying on the floor with a chair under his head and another one on his face. Oh, there's been a concerto. Yes. Mm. I could. I know it hasn't happened because it's, film, it's an off-screen attack, but it's exponentially more believable than... A, Gigging yourself with ketchup. <laughs> yeah. Brock Anderson looked like when you would uh, put tea bag on A4 paper to make it look like a treasure map. <laughs> <laughs> that and that was before he gigged himself. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a bit old. Yeah. I've seen a tea bagging like that since Kenta sat on night, though. I've seen a tea bag since that. Sounds a drama, drama last night. Nice cup of tea. Oh, God, it's pissed. <laughs> oh, God, it's Brock Anderson. <laughs> Uh, almost time for the main event, Sige. So, time for the women's match. Uh, Chris Stolander <laughs> defending the TBS Championship against uh, Anna JAS and Daddy Magic's jacket, which deserves a mention here. Um, Statlander, um, they're battling back, back and forth. Uh, Statlander hits a back suplex to get out of uh, Anna J headlock. Uh, Anna J just there running out of the ring to run, run back in thing. Uh, and Chris Statlander almost runs straight into not only Daddy Magic and his jacket, but his yelling in their face, <laughs> which I just, I love him, obviously. I'm very biased. Um, Anna Jay tries to use this to nail a kick, but she gets dropped on the apron instead. Um, Jay hits, uh, Anna Jay hit a spin kick to the back um, after a mischarge from Statlander takes to the break. When we come back, Statlander fights back. Uh, corner charges, a power slam. Tyre Valkyrie, oh, bloody hell, grumpy backstage watching all this. Statlander goes up top but gets, unsurprisingly, distracted by uh, Daddy Magic. Um, that allows Jade to uh, nail Statlander off there for a great near fall. She puts her in the Queen Slayer. Statlander gets out of it, 
whips Jay down, hits a backbreaker, hits a tombstone pile driver, and gets the one, two, three watts. Again, Ty Valkyrie fumes backstage. Yeah, structurally, this is boilerplate North American TV wrestling with the distractions and what have you. And this was solid. I never do cartwheels over solid. I'm just, why would I do that when the standard is so high? Um, and I've got pernickety tastes. That said, even though I thought this is solid in and of itself, it was nonetheless like a really good omen for what Statlander can do with this title when she gets someone way more experienced to work with because we were talking about Anna Jay yesterday, being very, you know, forgiven of the fact, very lenient because she's barely wrestled in the grand scheme, that there are times when she has matches where she can get outright lost, um, does too much chain wrestling, and it just looks a bit cooperative, and they get lost, and some of her strikes can look weak. This was very lean, focused, direct, cohesive wrestling. Again, can't do cartwheels over that. But if you were generous, which I was, as a measure of Statlander's ace potential, this is a strong start. Mm. She was the common denominator in a really focused, coherent Anna J match. Um, it was fine, but that's almost an achievement. And I, I do want to quickly mention it that... It just felt like women didn't exist for an hour and 40 minutes, yeah. for an hour mm. and a half. Yet again, terrible stuff. It's a, it's a WWE Cruiserweight division. Like send them out there in this on this little island, this little wrestling island that they're on, which differs from everything else that is short on stories. But like maybe they'll have a good match, and that's all you that's asked to do. Never love, get heat for that ever. I love the Statlander sign language thing. I was about for, to say that. Yeah, to mention it last week. That's really cool. Um, re- like genuinely, really quite like the development with Ty Valkyrie. That's how you make a bit more sense of what was effectively like the babyface cashing in which is what she did. She cashed on somebody else's hard work. So Ty Valkyrie has the right to be pissed off, but then she's going to like do something way nastier than what Chris Statlander did. Chris Statlander just took advantage of an opportunity. Ty Valkyrie is going to be, going to cheat, going to be violent, going to be awful. And I'd like, I like that as a development. That is a, the closest thing to a story you get from that. And I, I do genuinely like the development. Like, Ty Valkyrie being forced to do Norfolk's maddest man acting instead of just outright saying, I'm really pissed off and then hitting her with a chair. That would be an angle. That would be a development. Do yeah. that instead. Yeah, she could be attacked backstage and it's like, oh, who attacked Chris Statlander? And then they're like, looking the well. <laughs> but they're looking on the ground. They're like, wait a second, there's some clues here. What's that? Oh, it's tire tracks. And then we work out it's Ty Valkyrie. Yeah. Just an idea. Just suggesting it, you know. Uh, anyway, before we move on to the main event, Sige. It's time to play the game! Time to play the game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we get to the name of the game. What's the aim of the game? The aim of the game, oh, a minute and second, when the when the women, the first woman appears. Because it's always the same every week and I'm sick of it. We're trying. Hey, not last week, there's one and a half. Yeah, sure, man. We'll try and guess it and then we, we'll, we win the game and then I'm so bored of this one. <laughs> <laughs> so bored. really didn't think we'd be playing this by now. Got to be honest. Uh, One way or another, uh, more likely we are going to get to the hour, minute, and second than they're going to actually change their bloody booking patterns. But what's the name of the game? The name of the game as well. This is Ladies' Night, and I'm thinking, oh, what a night. uh, Honestly, our spirit has been crushed. Um, Thank you uh, to the brilliant Jose Palomares at the Ho11 on Twitter for um, taking care, stepping up 
for uh, the in the absence of Adam Blair at Adam Wilton for who I hope is having a great time at Download Festival uh, this week. Jose though stepping up and taking care of the um, data. Thank you, uh, Michael Sidgwick. You have all the necessary information with regards to the times that we guessed on yesterday's AEW Dynamite preview, which is still available to listen. What culture wrestling? Wherever you get your podcast from, a bit redundant there. Yeah, but so still some very good takes on there. From yeah, listen anyway. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, this is uh, described by some people as a podcast that is one of the only professional wrestling podcasts that's actually worth a. F- what else are you can listen to? Renee's not listen- releasing anything, is she? Come on. <laughs> In descending order, myself, Michael Sidgwick, zero hours, 22 minutes, 33 seconds. Michael Hamflet, no hours, 45 minutes, 10 seconds. Adam Wilborn, one hour, 23 minutes, 19 <sighs> seconds. How far away are we at? Uh, still a f- few minutes off, uh, Jose writes. The results are in at one hour, 27 minutes, and 19 seconds. Gave him too much time, if anything, what is what I did there. Yeah, <clears throat> the sequencing of this, I knew there was... Fuckery of foot <laughs> for the main event. I, uh, I knew you weren't getting a match. I was yeah. already celebrating. I think climactic. I was already celebrating about 10 seconds into this wrestling show because they did the uh, Welcome to the Dynamite. Well, they did. Sorry, I heard my manners. They did. Uh, well, what did they do, Jim? Wednesday night, you know what I mean? Boom, let's go ignite. Some fat guy could have fly show fly. No one had a boom. Man, a boom. Down the mic. And, uh, you know, they go like, coming up on tonight's show. And they just went, duh, 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 duh. and I was like, well, I can't see the women's match yet. And then it was like, yeah, I've got a women's match. And then, don't forget Ricky Starks and Jay Wattler as well. And I was like, yep, that's going in the usual slot, um, which means it, I am on now four correct guesses for the year. Uh, Michael Sidgwick, five correct guesses for the year. And Michael Hamlet Sidg, uh, six correct guesses for the year, nine incorrect guesses, which means he's uh, six and nine. Nice. It's like a sex thing. Is it nice, though? Really funny. I like that, I like that joke when people say nice after 69. Take turns. Vulgar. You know, some people, they like to do all kinds of stuff in the bedroom. 69, piss. Ooh, piss. Water sports. <laughs> Take turns. Missy said she was taking me out for some water sports. I thought, I'll get me a rubber ring. That turns out pissed on me in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Blackpool by night. Walk in the golden shower. A mile. Jay White versus Ricky Starks is the main event. Uh, everyone's banned from ringside. I got out of a shower once on a pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, I say everyone's banned from ringside. Not everyone. Uh, Juice Robinson, FTR are banned from ringside. Um, Stocks not messing about. They brawl on the uh, ape, uh, on the ramp to start us off. Um, Starks, it's a backdrop. And uh, Ghost was looking for something under the ring that allows Jay White time to to crawl away, go up the ramp. There was a tiny bit of me that thought, is that not ringside anymore? You know, when they were brawling up to the top, I was like, does that not technically qualify? But thankfully, they didn't didn't do any of that shenanigans. That came later. Um, Yeah, uh, Ricky Starks tried to throw Jay White off the stage. White rakes his eyes. Um, They go back down. And uh, Jay White tries to suplex him, but Starks counters and hits a suplex on the floor to take us to a break. When we come back, Jay White uh, comes back with a massive superplex, goes for the Blade Runner, but Starks gets out of it with a leaping lariat and the Tornado DDT. Uh, He gets a two count off a full Nelson, goes for Rochambeau, uh, but White counters it into a Uranagi. Uh, They both go back and forth. Starks 
leaps into a spear, but White counters that with a pump knee. Um, he manages to hit the spear after floating over a suplex later on. Gets him up, hits the Rochambeau, but in the process, the referee Paul Turner gets clipped, knocked down, taken out of it. And you sense shenanigans, as you say, Sige are afoot. And in comes not any of the people who were banned from ringside, but potentially two new members, I suppose, of Bullet Club, the Guns. Um, they hit Starks with the 310 to Yuma. Jay White crawls over, decides, actually, I'm not just going to get the pinfall here. I'm going to rub salt into the wound. Um, hits the Blade Runner, gets the one, two, three, and then the best bit of the match happened because Juice Robinson comes down to celebrate. And if you haven't seen any of this, watch Juice Robinson's celebration um, because it is just a thing of beauty. I love him. Juice Robinson is incredible. I uh, Anyone can get over in this company because they get the platform to do so. So we discovered his mojo. Mm-hmm. It's an incredibly obnoxious, funny man. Uh, this match didn't click, didn't get going. Um, it was in, inferior to the first match, which I was the high guy on, <laughs> um, on consensus. There was some nice wrestling, of course, there was. They're both too talented to do something actively bad, but it just never clicked. It never felt like a big main event. It never felt like they were going to really have time to develop their story. And I think I would describe the atmosphere as suspicious. These fans are dialed in. They know that when something starts at like 1 hour 48 or whatever this did, 46 maybe, and they saw the graphic that specified only some people were banned from ringside, and it just didn't have this feeling of a climactic main event encounter. I would describe the atmosphere as suspicious. Do you think it was a little bit spoiled uh, as well by Tony Khan's announcement? It's like, well, Jay White's not losing a week and a half from facing CM Punk yeah. in a six-man. So there's that. There is that. Um, it just felt like get to the bit where you don't do the finish. That was very much hanging over the atmosphere, so the match really suffered as a result. And on the finish itself, right? Back in time, 2013, the Bullet Club are performing, and it's Prince Devitt, and they did get calls to the office by the Japanese fans, disgusted that there'd be outside interference in this really clean sporting framework. And what was old was new again, because Mm. they had this really disciplined narrative framework with which to play, with which to pollute. Who doesn't interfere in AEW matches now? Like, it's so trite and it's such a worn-out cliche for the Bullet Club to be a thing in AEW. It's completely and utterly redundant. It's impossible to get heat when it's they're not transgressing on the norm. It is the norm. Yeah. And I just hate it. And I think they've... Like, Jay White deserves so much better. Like, so much better. He's so talented and... They've botched this launch of this character like, really badly for me now. And like, a serious reboot or re- retcon is required. They've completely bungled this. And I'm really like not upset. I don't care that much. But I can't believe it. Yeah. He's not a major, major main event player from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Is he? No. No, and that still should that should still be the case. He should still be like a his appearances just still feel like just a bit a of a transgression, and he has, yeah. Like, you can't credibly assess wrestlers if you watch the entrances and then fast-forward the matches. You can't. Like, you have to take the whole thing. And at the moment, Jay White only feels like that kind of star, that kind of danger before the bell rings. His entrance 
gets a great reaction. Love the theme. The theme is awesome. He does that bit with his jacket where he reveals his abs. Yeah. He's when like he didn't do it here as much because obviously the match started fast, but he does that. Like, I think he's nicked it from Kenny, but it's a good thing to steal. Where he kind of like cuts a promos, he's walking down the ramp. Britt Baker would do it as well. I think that's like such a cool thing to do. Like all of that is still there. And then the bell rings and the matches haven't lived up to expectations yet. Part of that is because the stories are not effective. The issue with Ricky Starks has never felt that real. Like we're now, like he's he did it in New Japan to greater effect, but he's becoming the guy that you expect the bollocks with at the end, like because everything that he's been associated with has led to a DQ or something screwy. And again, like he's a heel, like you're supposed to do a bit of that, but it's got to be way more in moderation in AEW than it ever was in New Japan. And they're not, learning that mm. yet so i it's it's all until the bell rings where you can still receive jay white in the way you're supposed to and it's not like he's a bad wrestler it's not like it isn't there in ring but it's just not happening um and increasingly that's the case with ricky starks like he's still getting those huge reactions in his entrance and he's still people are popping for the bit of the entrance theme where he does the big gesture and all that and then his matches are drawing a bit of silence as well there's not a lot of atmosphere to them and it made me feel a bit sad. This mired in cowardly political booking. Uh-huh. I don't want to be either of them. Yeah, don't book the match then. It it just made me feel a bit sad to see both of them in the situation they're currently in, and that's mm. uh, that's the worst, isn't it? Because it's the total opposite of what I felt in Orange Cassidy and Swerve. Like I was like lost in the mire of the facts rather than the fiction, and I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Like I think it's partly why I'm less on the hook for the six man. Like Joe. Like Juice is a pop, but Juice is going to do something really funny oh, to take the piss yeah. out of CM Punk. He's probably going to take the pin, but he's going to mock Punk's hand thing off. He's going to do something that's going to be one of the most joyous bits of the entire match. But Punk wants Jay White, and I want that, but I don't want it in this current incarnation. What do you think of the guns potentially joining Bullet Club? Don't care. Like Bullet Club Gold already felt like this cheap knockoff. Oh, that used to be fun. With all due respect to the guns, who are still developing. They keep it down there. They keep this as down a way. down, down there. there. Like they keep it as this lower card. Yes, <laughs> it's just this lower card, meaningless, even lamer version of the JAS who are kind of intentionally lame. It made sense though, obviously, with their hatred of FTR and your friends with him. So I get it. And they're called guns. Guns? Do you get it? They're called yeah. guns. Yeah. What do you think, Sage? I don't care. <laughs> It's yeah, it's a continuation of you're meant to think these kids are in over their heads and inexperienced little scoundrels trying to take shortcuts to get ahead. All very meta for me. All very meta. Well, let us know your thoughts on that and all of uh, the events on AEW Dynamite on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. And read Sidgwick's brilliant ups and downs article at WhatCulture.com. The transcript of this podcast. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Me and Sidg will be back tomorrow to preview our last episode of AEW Rampage ever. We'll Maybe. Be- Maybe, Hopefully. probably. Uh, we'll be reflecting on some of our favourite bits of Rampage, so that won't take too long. Cut um, one more next week. <laughs> huh? Cut one more next week. I'm off next week, so. Oh, yeah. I yeah. love that. Your, your problem, mate. <laughs> no, because we've got Collision. We'll be doing that instead of uh, Collision's next weekend, so we're not doing bloody Rampage as well. Yeah, okay. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> right, this has been the Dynamite Review. Man. Thanks for the Daddy Boys. Baby. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.